0: We are through most of week eight of the NFL season, and I think from a fantasy perspective and a betting perspective, this is one of those weeks that makes you question how much you know about this league. Uh, We saw the Cincinnati Bengals lose to the New York Jets with a backup quarterback. We saw uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady lose to Trevor Simeon and the New Orleans Saints. Just a lot of wild stuff here on Halloween weekend. Lots of tricks, lots of treats, uh, but plenty to talk about as usual. So I'm joined by Mike Miklius to start out the show. Uh, He'll talk about a couple games he watched, and then I will be joined by Ryan Heath later on. Uh, So we got six games we're going to cover here, but as always, please check out the What We Saw article on QVList.com. We're going to cover every single game much more in depth than we're going to get here. So anything that you miss, um, please check out the website. But uh, we'll try to catch you up on the important news and notes up front. So happy Halloween. Hope you had a good weekend. I'm joined by Mike. And Mike, let's just get right into it here. Um, let's talk winners and losers. Who's your winner from this week eight of NFL season?
1: Yeah, so my winner was uh, TJ Hawkinson. He, his stat line, 11 targets, 10 receptions, 89 yards. And averaging over his last three games, 10.3 targets a game, eight receptions a game, 70 yards a game. So if you're telling me in PPR I've got a 15-point a tight end over the last three weeks, that's pretty strong. I don't feel like a lot of tight ends are going to put up those numbers. Um, and he, he's been dominating the team in those last three weeks combined, you know, for targets, for receptions, for yardage. So, yeah, I like to see the breakout from him.
0: Yeah, I think he's mainly held back by the lack of touchdowns at this point just because of this Lions offense. But, yeah, the volume is going to be there. I mean, they've developed nothing at wide receiver, so it's just Hawkinson and the tight ends basically. And then Pitts kind of fell back to earth this week for the Falcons, so I, Hawkinson's right in there as a, a top tight end. So, yeah, I'd agree with that. Hawkinson, he looks good. Uh, you're obviously going to start him every week, but you can feel pretty confident about that. So um, I'm going to get uh, – for my winner, I'll talk about him a lot more during the Bengals-Jets game uh, – we talk about later, but Michael Carter running back for the jets uh, just had a monster game. Uh, It's, it's hard to overlook it. They had a backup quarterback in and he still just gets fed the ball. 15 carries 77 yards and a touchdown, nine catches 95 yards on 14 targets. And I, frankly, as I was watching the game, I felt like Michael Carter, that's kind of how we wanted uh, Clyde Edwards-Flaire to get used when we drafted him last year. Uh, he was just spread out wide. He was all over the place. Really impressed by Carter's performance. So we'll talk about this later in the Bengals-Jets game. But Mike, are you right there with me, uh, Carter? I mean, we can't ignore him after this one, even though he's on the Jets, right?
1: Yeah, some more Antonio Gibson fans are uh, are silently weeping because they're like, man, why don't we get one game that looks like that one?
0: Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, even Clyde edwards we, we I don't think we've ever seen a 14-target game for him. So, um, oh, yeah. big boost from Carter here. He looked good. And, again, more on that later in the Jets-Bengals section. So, um, let's get into the losers here. Mike, who is your big loser? Uh, a little bit of foreshadowing there on this
1: one. <laughs> I actually forgot he was my loser. So, Antonio Gibson, you know, spoiler alert. Uh, he had eight carries for 34 yards, three targets, three receptions, 20 yards. Um and it's, it's not just this game. It's kind of just the cumulative work so far. He has only one 70-plus rushing yard get this game, or this this season, excuse me, only one 19-plus receiving yard game, and only one game with four or more targets. Um, those are definitely not the numbers we were hoping for. I know he's injured, but I we, I at the beginning of the season, it kind of felt like we were being sold a guy who was can't miss, and clearly that was wrong. He clearly can miss, and he misses a lot. So, yeah, Antonio Gibson.
0: Yeah, big concern for him going forward for this year. Um, again, this is the game that I'm going to talk about later. Uh, Washington football team and the Broncos, and I'm actually writing it up for what we saw. Uh, but just uh, we'll get to it more later. But this was a three-headed backfield this week for Washington, which makes things even worse for Gibson. So. Pretty clearly they're playing him while he's injured. I, I think at this point we'd be better off letting him rest up and get healthy, but that doesn't seem like what they're going to do here. So uh, my loser for the week, and this one hurts for me, it's it's Trevor Lawrence, really the Jaguars as a whole. But I just thought that this was a chance against a Seattle team with Geno Smith, a quarterback, for the Jaguars to maybe get some kind of momentum going here, especially Trevor Lawrence from a fantasy perspective. Uh, Lawrence throws 54 times, just 238 passing yards just so many passing attempts to dan arnold carlos hyde agnew um they're not getting the ball to marvin jones and Chenault, who are their playmakers i know a lot of it was garbage time but just really disappointing performance um only 11 yards rushing and jacksonville's coming off a bye and a win just you know this was a chance to get some positive momentum here and they just got smoked by the the seahawks so I, i think you can probably give up on most of this jaguars offense um we'll get into. James Robinson's injury in a little bit, but we're going to have some weeks, I think from these receivers, but overall, this is a bad offense. Um, Are you jumping ship here? I know everyone jumped ship on the Jags long ago, but this is kind of the nail in the coffin right here, Mike.
1: Yeah, I think I would still stream Lawrence in the right Uh, matchups. It's going to be hard because as you said, this looked like the right matchup and it, it didn't happen. Um, But that volume is so enticing. He throws just, they just throw the ball so much with Lawrence. And you feel like, all right, the numbers can't stay that low if the attempts stay that high. If you're getting 54 attempts and you're even getting six yards in attempt, you're going to be a 300 yard passer. Um, yeah, yeah. So i I don't I don't love the way this turned out. And obviously, as you said, like this whole offense looked pretty bad. But I, I do like it, and I think long term it's going to be great for his development to get to throw this much and see a lot of situations and, and make mistakes. And I think next year he's going to be, you know, a, a strong improver.
0: Yeah, in mean, dynasty perspective, this might be a time to buy low, but I was just discouraged. You get all that volume, you get nothing out of it. He was about a QB sixteen this week, and he, you know, he was kind of throwing some balls in the dirt. Uh, I just, I think this whole situation is starting to get to him here. I was hoping for a little mini breakout here, so that certainly did not happen. So, um, those are the winners and losers for the week. Let's get to the injuries. Um, nothing major from a fantasy perspective, although some important players for teams for sure. Um, We'll get into the Bears game more later when Mike talks about it. But Damian Williams left with a knee injury, played just four snaps. And Khalil Herbert, uh, the rookie running back, was banged up in the second half. He came back in, but he didn't look quite right. So we'll we'll talk about that in the Bears section. Um, A few quarterbacks that had injuries. Matt Ryan got his hand stepped on. it was bleeding. He threw a pick right after. He had a pretty miserable game. Uh, Sam Darnold took a shot, um, was out with a concussion. So P.J. Walker was in. And then Jameis Winston was in or uh, was hurt with a knee injury looks pretty significant uh that's going to be a bad situation in new orleans because Taysom hill still hasn't practiced coming off of his concussion trevor simeon filled in today uh, mike out of those quarterbacks matt ryan sam darnold Jameis winston uh is there one of these offense that you're especially worried about or is this trouble all around with, with these three quarterbacks hurt
1: yeah it's it, it's trouble all around um it's funny because I think Winston is the best of those quarterbacks if I had to pick one for my team right now, but I think Darnold has the most weapons. He's impacting that like his weapons most need him. So it's hard to say which one. I think probably the Ryan injury is least effective or least impactful. Excuse me. Um, I, probably Winston hurts the most because that offense I don't think was looking that great in New Orleans, and so to lose your quarterback, that yeah, it's not going to be fun.
0: Yeah, and I guess the Ryan news is less about the injury, more about how bad this offense looked um, just in general. I guess we'll kind of get to it. Um, Next up, Calvin Ridley announced he's going to step away from football. At this time, those were his words uh, to focus on his mental health. That was right before the game. He's already missed a game for this same reason. Uh, this seems pretty significant for Calvin Ridley, so he's going to be out a while. I hope he's all right. Um, this is, you know, serious stuff here. So hopefully, Ridley gets his his, you know, life in order. Um, we'll worry about football later. But th- this Falcons offense looked pretty terrible without him out there. Even affected. Uh, Kyle Pitts here. So, um, yeah, I think that Falcon situation is less about the injury. It's more just about the offense as a whole here. So uh, three kind of miserable situations, even though the the Saints did get a win with Jameis Winston Hurt. I think they're going to need Taysom Hill back here because I wouldn't count on Trevor Simeon for very long. So, Um, Other than that, I guess the main fantasy injury is James Robinson. He left with a heel injury in the first quarter. We're not really sure how severe this is. Uh, Like we mentioned earlier, uh, the Jaguars were getting blown out all game. So we're not sure how much they were just being cautious with Robinson. Um, We saw Carlos Hyde get a ton of work, a ton of dump off passes and garbage time. Are you interested in Carlos Hyde if this is a long-term injury for Robinson?
1: Yeah, I am. I think they're going to be running with somebody and they – they trust Carlos Hyde. I mean, nine carries, six receptions. That's that's a lot of work. Um, and it, it stinks for Robinson because I don't think they're going to rush him back because we know this team is just a dead end this year. They're one and six. They're they're playing horribly. Um, so there's no reason to be like, oh, we got to get Robinson back in. They'll just take their time, and he may not. We may not see him for a few weeks now.
0: Yep. So definitely monitor that one. I believe it was a heel injury, but just, you know, not much details on it. So other than that, um, Rob Rob, Rob Gronkowski was already kind of, you know, just coming off injury and questionable how much he was going to play this game. He left with back spasms, barely played at all um i think he just needs to get back into shape i think we got a bye week coming up for the bucks so he should be fine once he's back to full health and then jalen rager left with an ankle injury but he's not much of a factor so i believe those were the big injuries for the week so we survived any massive fantasy injuries which is always a nice thing um so let's get on to our next segment here um we're gonna call it scary performances in the theme of halloween um, and there were some some big names, some trusted names out there this week that had some major duds. So we're gonna go through some of them, uh, kind of give our thoughts on them and what we think this means going forward. So let's start out at running back. Uh Kenneth Gainwell really just duped us all, or maybe the Eagles duped us all here. Um, he gets 2.7 PPR points, uh, 13 carries for 27 yards. That was all in garbage time. He had zero targets, which is odd because Gainwell was the passing game back before Miles Sanders got hurt. Um, But Gainwell only played six of Apostle 51 snaps with the starters this week, Um, and it was in with the backup. So this is a disaster. We saw Boston Scott and Jordan Howard get snaps in front of Kenneth Gainwell. So, Mike, are we just dropping Gainwell? Is there enough upside here with Miles Sanders on IR that it's worth stashing him? Like, I mean, does he deserve a spot on your roster right now?
1: Yeah, if I need a running back, I'm still holding on to him. This, this performance hurts, though. <laughs> I'll be honest. When you get Miles Sanders out of the way, I think everybody who was a Gainwell uh, supporter is thinking, oh, man, this is going to be the big one. You get the Lions. We're going to crush them. They're going to play Gainwell, see what he can do, and then just nothing. Jordan Howard and Boston Scott take all the touchdowns.
0: Yeah, this was a rough one. Uh, Jordan Howard was getting goal line work. Boston Scott saw most of the snaps here, 29 snaps, Gainwell 20, Howard 16. Um, I do think it's worth noting there was only one target across all the running backs, and that's what Gainwell's been doing. So they they did not have that part of their offense with Gainwell not playing, but it didn't matter. A um, bunch of carries for each of the running backs. So I think if you have a good team, you can cut Gainwell and use that roster spot for something else. Um, if you are rough at running back, I, I do see the appeal in stashing them. There is still upside here, but this looks like a backfield that we just can't predict from week to week very well. So Um, Nick Sirianni, uh, maybe uh, he's in our fantasy doghouse now, just like maybe Bill Dolchek (laughs) can be at times. So um, can't trust Gainwell, but I I do think there is some upside there. So it's just odd that once Miles Sanders got hurt, his role disappeared. Uh, I don't know how that happens. But um, all right, next up, scary running back performances. Derrick Henry, 6.8 PPR points. He was a little banged up at one point, Um, played through it though. But anything to worry about here, um, you know, it's Derrick Henry, right?
1: Yeah, it's fine. He had the volume. The first thing when I saw these points, when I looked at the volume. He had 28 carries. We know that Derrick Henry is always going to be prone to if he doesn't get that big run where the hole's just open, he's just going to have a little bit of a slower day. And a lot of times he gets the big run, but occasionally it's not going to happen. And that's what we saw today. So hopefully it didn't kill your team, but yeah, he'll be fine.
0: Yep. No reason to overact here. Just wanted to. Point out some of these awful performances from this week because there were quite a few. Um, next up, David Johnson. You know, Mark Ingram gets traded. Hey, this backfield has opened up for David Johnson in Houston. Nope, 1.3 PPR points, which is really bad for someone like Johnson who catches the ball. Uh, played just 11 snaps. I mean, they had four running backs involved. Uh, this is just a stay away here, right? Uh, nothing we want in Houston. I mean, does Tyrod Taylor coming back maybe reinterest you in David Johnson, or is this like drop city here?
1: nah there's there's nobody I was interested in here I, I, at the start of the season Philip Lindsay was kind of interesting to me because I thought he's got some talent he's young maybe he steals the job and kind of consolidates everything but there's no rushing game here at all because this team's just awful and they can't, they can't afford to run you know they're they were down 38 to nothing in this game before they scored 22 unanswered in the fourth.
0: Yeah. They got blown out by the Rams. Hard to read too much into the snap counts here, but Rex Burke had 30 snaps, Scotty Phillips, 15 snaps, David Johnson, 11 Philip Lindsay, eight. I would expect if it's closer, you probably see some more snaps for David Johnson, but how often is that going to happen? So yeah, that's a mess of a backfield. Um, let's go to some scary wide receiver performances. Uh, this is one, he at least stopped getting targets so we can just drop him now. I think Robbie Anderson, zero points on one target. Finally didn't get an 11 target game to keep our hopes up, but, uh, we're just dropping Robbie Anderson, right?
1: Yeah, I, I was waiting to talk to you about this one because we've been I feel like we've been talking about him every week and he's averaging before this week. The last four weeks he's averaging about 10 targets a game, which is just absurd to get no points. And now it's just nothing. That's three straight weeks with nothing. So, yeah, as, as far as I'm concerned, if, if people want to drop him, I, it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, what do you think about him from like a dynasty outlook? I mean, he's getting up there. He's I mean, not up there. He's 28 years old. Um he's been on a couple teams. Like do you think there's reason in dynasty to go get him and buy low or um is it just kind of he's we've seen too much inconsistency from Anderson.
1: That's a good question. I mentally I'm thinking if I had to give up a second, I'd probably rather have the second rounder. If I could get him for a third, I think I would move a third to get him and just take a chance that maybe he catches on somewhere. Like maybe New England trades for him, you know, somebody like that who needs a receiver. Yep. And they'll make use of him.
0: Yeah, I think I agree. We've seen enough production out of him. Um, Okay, next up, Emmanuel Sanders, zero points on four targets. Miserable day. The Bills really found themselves in a tough battle with the Dolphins in this one. I've kind of dampened most of the team's offense. I don't know if there's anything major to take away from this one Is there's just um, a rough week to get a goose egg out of one of your, you know, pretty startable receivers.
1: Yeah, I feel like with this team, I feel like it's always kind of Emmanuel Sanders or or Cole Beasley and it was a Cole Beasley day. So it wasn't an Emmanuel Sanders day and I, who knows next week, it could be the opposite. Everyone plans for Cole Beasley to go crazy and then Emmanuel Sanders does it. So,
0: yep. Just disappointing with no Dawson Knox. Josh Allen did throw 42 times. So nothing there um Mike Williams 3.9 PPR points we've seen him kind of come crashing back down to earth after that hot start I mean really this Chargers offense as a whole but um have we learned a lesson here on Mike Williams like was it just too were we too over like head over heels on him early on and like we know this is just the type of player he is or is there a reason to hope he's going to get back to that early season performance
1: I I'm still optimistic I mean three the, the trend right now three of the last four weeks have been bad And that was after four of the first five weeks looked really, really good. Um, He's probably going to be a little more boom or bust than we first thought. I think after five weeks, everybody's expectations were probably a little unrealistic, including ourselves. Um, So it's probably going to be a little more boom bust than we hoped, but the boom was still really, really good. So I'm willing to take that chance.
0: All right. And we'll talk with Ryan more about that one later, the uh, Chargers Patriots game, but that is a good, a good defense that took him out of the game. So Um, Otherwise, let's see, 4.1 PPR points from LaVisca Chenault. We talked a lot about the Jaguars earlier. That's just a mess of a situation. Um, OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr., 1.6 PPR points on one target. I think that was pretty clear to see coming with an injured Baker Mayfield playing against the Steelers, but nonetheless was miserable. And 2.5 PPR points from Devontae Smith against the Lions. Uh, That's a real bummer because this was a nice matchup for the Seagulls offense. So Um, what do you think? I I guess Devonte Smith's probably the real one to talk about here. Um, is it like a talented rookie? We're just gonna see the ups and downs and you're still, you know, high on him? Or um is this kind of a a, you know, with with Jalen Hurts not always being the best passer, maybe we just can't count on any consistency here.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna count on Smith week to week. Um I think he's more typical rookie. We're we're kind of spoiled by Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, where we kind of just expect the really good receivers are gonna explode and like that's it. (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm fine with him. It's
0: pretty wild to see Philadelphia put up 44 points and have no passing touchdowns. So uh, it's just one of those weeks, two to Boston Scott, two to Jordan Howard on the ground. So um, the Lions offense, I think, helped out with the rest of that. So um, All right, yeah, and then the two scary tight end performances. We already mentioned Gronk, uh, zero points. Hopefully you didn't start him. He was a big question mark. But you got a goose egg if you were desperate and rolled Gronk out there. Uh, but the big one to talk about, 3.3 PPR points from Kyle Pitts. Um, This was a big step back for this Falcons offense. They had kind of gotten things rolling a little bit before. Now with no Calvin Ridley, it kind of just looked like it was teams just double covering Pitts. or not teams. I should say the Panthers this week, uh, just throwing everything they had at Pitts. Russell Gage didn't even get a target. Like there's just nothing here other than Pitts and the running backs. So uh, is this like a massive problem? Do you think we're counting too much on Pitts being the number one now? And he's just not ready for it because that's what he is on this team. Now he's the number one passing option.
1: Yeah, it it is worrisome because um, we saw this with Calvin Ridley when Julio Jones first was missing, and Calvin Ridley struggled a little bit at first because he had to be the guy. Now, I think we're gonna see the same thing with Pitts. But I, as a Pitts detractor, am gonna say I think he'll be fine. Um, we we see the talent. He's a big dude. He's a strong dude. He's a fast dude, and I, I think long term he'll be fine. He's gonna have a little bit of growing pains. I think expecting. The week to week just consistency and cleanness of like the stat lines was a little unrealistic, but long term, I think he'll be just fine.
0: Yeah, lot, lots of passes to the running backs in this one, so um, they're, they're gonna have to get the ball downfield and Pitts is their best option. He did have a bad drop, too. Uh, I will, there'll be better weeks here if you've been wanting to get pits in your leagues all season. Uh, this might be the time to buy a low, maybe. So uh, I do think there's still a lot of talent there. So, all right, that wraps up most of the scary performances. I'm sure there's some I missed, there were some that were bad performances, but not quite to the like zero points from Emmanuel Sanders status. So, um, there were some bad ones this week, some unexpected good ones, but, uh, let's move on to the games here. Uh, first up, Mike, you, you watched the 49ers play the bears. Um, this is a bit of departure from previous bears games, I think. So what did you see from these teams here?
1: Yeah. So they had a stat. This was the first time the Bears scored on every first half drive. in like, I don't know, probably 700 years. Um, to be fair, they only had three drives because the Bears, you know, they love to slow the game down. Though there were lots of field goals early between the two teams. The first eight of the first nine drives were scoring drives, and the only one that wasn't was a missed field goal by the Niners. Um, Bears kind of ran out of steam late. Niners just kept scoring, and they eventually took over. Overall, both defenses had a lot of trouble in this one. So both offenses looked good, but I think part of the blame is that both defenses looked pretty bad. Um, okay. Running through the Bears, so Justin Fields, this was his best game so far. He looked a little more comfortable passing, took some nice shots. Uh, his touchdown pass to Jesse James was really good. Um, he had a deep ball to Mooney that became the pick at the end of the game. That was a really nice ball. Mooney had two hands on it. He just couldn't pull it down. Um, he looked more comfortable running. The running was the big one, and for fantasy, this is where everyone's ears should kind of perk up. He had 10 carries for 103 yards. It felt like every time he ran, he was really finding open space. It kind of looked like Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray-esque where he he just knew how to run. He knew how to not take the hit, and he knew what he needed to do. Um, the other big thing I'll say is he looked more comfortable converting from a passer into a runner. So previously, we've seen him get a little stiff when he tries to get out of the passing mode. But today, it looked like he was doing a much better job of getting out of it. Um, and for those who weren't able to see this one, look up the Justin Fields scramble for a touchdown. Yep. he It was, it was insane. It's, I can't even really describe it. You just got to watch it. Um, going into the running game, Khalil Herbert, he looks really good in the first half. He looks like he has the last couple games, which is to say excellent and probably the best back on this team. I think he, it's fair to say he's the best offensive player on this team right now. Um, in the second half, he was injured. Looks like he took a shot to the head. And he came back not too long after, but it, it, he didn't quite look as good. I don't know if it was after effects or if I was just kind of imagining it, or maybe he was a little tensive just to kind of run. Um, but the second half, the Bears running game just kind of fell apart. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out this week and what they have to say. Um, he had a nice screen catch that was called back. He looked more comfortable in the passing game. So if he's healthy, if he's 100%, that's something to look forward to because, again, we know David Montgomery's never been great in the passing game, and maybe we see those looks that used to go to him and to Tariq Cohen go to Khalil Herbert now. Um, kind of wrapping up with the Bears, Darnell Mooney, he's clearly the lead receiver here. We've asked the question before of him or Robinson. Robinson continues to fade, and Mooney continues to show this strong connection with Fields. I feel pretty comfortable saying Mooney's the clear number one here. And as surprising as it seems, I, I feel comfortable that if you wanted to drop Alan Robinson, I think it's completely safe to do so.
0: Okay. Um, let's focus on Khalil Herbert here for a minute. Uh, a couple of different outlooks here, whether it's rest of season or dynasty-wise. Uh, what do you see here with Herbert as far as – I mean, obviously Montgomery is going to be back eventually this year. Um, what do you think the, it looks like rest of season with Herbert? Is he going to be useful when Montgomery gets back? And then, um, you know, kind of dynasty-wise, I mean – Montgomery goes into his last year as his contract next year. Like, do you think Herbert's someone that we should have high hopes for in Dynasty? Like, how excited should we be about Herbert? Because everyone's been raving about how good he looks on the ground.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. This season's going to be muddy for a few reasons. Um, I think the team is going to give the ball back to Montgomery when he gets back. They gave Damian Williams the start in this game. He only lasted for about two carries before they put Herbert in instead. The Williams got the start. They're, they're loyal to their guys to a fault. And I think Montgomery will get the lead rollback. So for this season, I think it's going to be a mess. I think that also depends on the coaching. If we see Matt Nagy get to call plays again, or if they stay with this new system, which looked a lot better. Uh, as far as dynasty, I'm I'm super high on Herbert. I think he's somebody you should be looking to go get. I think Montgomery is not long for this roster. He'll be around next year, but after next year, I think Herbert's going to be the guy. And I I love him as a runner. I think he's an excellent runner. I think he's going to be a lead back for a while on this league.
0: Okay. So, yeah, just, I mean, keep in mind, it's going to take a year until Montgomery's out unless he gets hurt. But um, if you can kind of set your sights on long-term, Herbert's going to be a nice dynasty asset for sure. So as far as the passing game, I mean – uh, yeah, obviously the rushing yardage is great for Fields. Um, his, his touchdown run, I believe it was 22 yards. That was his long rush of the day. I think he probably ran for 45 yards on the play. It was all over the place. Um, the passing yardage is still a concern, though, just 175. This is a tough you know, 49ers defense, relatively speaking. So uh, did you see much just as far as like the passing game taking another leap, or do you think we're going to be kind of in this mode for the rest of the season with the Bears?
1: Yeah, I do think the passing game looked a lot better. As I said, it was a deep shot that I thought – was going to be completed. It looks like it was probably pass interference on the play. Um, but then again, it was my team. So who, who knows if I'm just being a homer there. Right. Um, yeah. The passing game looked a lot better. I think fields running and Herbert being back to full health and Montgomery being back, all that running is going to force teams to play up. And once they play up fields is going to have the ability to take sh- shots over the top to Mooney and to Marquise Goodwin. So I think the passing game will see better days. I'm not going to guarantee it for next week. Because the Bears, I'm pretty sure, have a tough schedule coming up. But I think long-term, over the next five weeks, we're going to see something a lot better than we saw in the last five weeks.
0: Okay. And they also did not have Matt Nagy there today. And I guess the offense looked better without him calling plays. So maybe <laughs> maybe I'll uh, hand it over for good this time. We'll see. Um, otherwise, all right, let's get to the 49ers here. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, 322 yards passing uh, on just 28 attempts. Uh, that's a good thing to see from this 49ers offense.
1: Yeah. The stats look great. If you were uh, just checking out the box score, 300 yards, two rush touchdowns. That's, that's all you could hope for from Jimmy G Um, the the truth of it is he had a ton of time to throw. Like I, I watched these games with my dad every week and we were just like yelling at the TV, like, Oh, come on. Can't somebody get to him? Um, Khalil Mack was out of the game, which basically just completely deflated the bears pass rush. And I don't think they had a sack. I don't think they even had a pressure. Um, it was, it was pretty pathetic. Jimmy G had some good passes. He also missed on some, and it's worth noting that his longest pass, uh, the 83 yarder to Debo Samuel, he threw it to him behind the line of scrimmage and Samuel just took off and it was like, okay, that's a nice way to pick up 83 yards. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he's a so, so quarterback. It doesn't change my mind on him. He's the same guy we knew. Um, Elijah Mitchell, I was impressed by him. So I was a big Trey Sermon homer. And so it's hard for me to admit Elijah Mitchell's good, but he's fast. He gets going quickly. And if he gets some initial space, and I think this is kind of like Tevin Coleman-ish, where if he gets some initial space, he can really take off. Um, He did a really good job turning good blocking into bigger gains. So I think there were three plays where they got him an easy 10 to 15 yards like without any work. And then he made a nice cut or two to get it out to like 25 or 30 or 35 yards. Um, I'd like to see what he looks like if he has to do a little more work to get open. Because this one just looked pretty easy. Like the Niners were just kind of letting him run all over. They had a point where they were averaging 10 yards of play. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm impressed. He, he was better than I expected. So I got to give Elijah Mitchell the big thumbs up. And then last player I think worth mentioning for good reasons, Debo Samuel. So he, he ironically had a real bad start. He dropped two targets on the first drive, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be a this is gonna be a rough one for him." But he found his rhythm. He had a fifty yard catch. It was a really excellent catch. He got behind the coverage, had just a tiny window, made the catch, and held on. Um, he on the eighty three yard catch, he had a short screen. It was on third and twenty, so you would hope that the team would be ready for that defensively, but they weren't um Samuel barely had to make anybody miss he just kind of ran straight line right through everything and almost got a touchdown but he was caught from behind
0: okay yeah and uh, I mean this was kind of Debo Samuel's style um during his big years it was just all kind of close stuff to the line of scrimmage making plays so I do think this is a bit sustainable here um as far as snaps it was uh, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel the clear one and two at receiver uh, Mohammed Sanu a pretty distant third so Ayuk is playing he's out there just as much if not more than Debo Samuel um, Ayuk had a decent game today at least far as far as Ayuk uh, in 2021 seven targets four catches uh 45 yards so what do you think about Ayuk in this one
1: so he he was a little off to me it looked like he had a deep shot early and I I watched the play again I had a hard time telling if Jimmy G overthrew it or if Ayuk misread it and just didn't run like like he slowed down a little bit. But like it just looked like he was off on that play like mentally or emotionally whatever um almost like he was disinterested and he looked good the rest of the game he made some nice catches but it is clear he's not the priority that Samuel is here and they don't trust him like they trust Samuel um and as you said it's the best output of the season but I it just I can't trust him he's not really usable
0: yeah for sure other than that um seems like uh, Jamichael hasty is pretty much settled into the third down role here. Uh, Elijah Mitchell with 37 snaps, Jamichael hasty with 19. So whatever that's worth, if you're looking for a handcuff, I'm not sure that hasty would be worth it, but he was on the field. So, um, any thoughts on this game before we move on, whether it's something you missed on the bears or the 49ers here?
1: No, I think that's about it. As I said, I'm curious to see both of these offenses next week, because I think both defenses played pretty poorly. And so I think there was a general boost to all the numbers for everybody. So I think everyone's going to look probably a little worse next week.
0: All right. So let's get to the next one. I had the pleasure of watching the Bengals uh, lose to the New York Jets here. Um, I can't even remember the score. This was a a crazy game. Uh, The Bengals lost 34 to 31 in New York. Um, And, you know, it kind of started off right from the start here. Jets had a lot of early momentum, uh, lots of screens and bootlegs. Um, a lot of our Jets fans in our Discord for PL Plus, you should join us if you want to come support the site and talk football all day. But our Jets fans were very excited that Mike LaFleur was calling plays from the booth, the Jets offensive coordinator. Um, they feel like that's a big deal, uh, so we can kind of get a better idea of what's going on. And this offense looked a lot better. They they did a lot of trick plays. Um, the story from this one, that was Mike White, uh, the backup quarterback, Zach Wilson, 37 of 45 for 405 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, a pretty amazing game from Mike White. Uh, I did not see this coming. Um, it it was frustrating as a Bengals fan because they never really made him beat them. Deep at all. He had one deep shot that he just completely overthrew Elijah Moore, who would have been open for a touchdown. I think there was a holding anyway. But the Bengals basically let Mike White just throw short passes to them constantly uh, to get get through their defense. Um, his two interceptions were both on short passes where they got tipped. Uh, they weren't good decisions. Not necessarily the worst throws in the world though. They just got tipped for interceptions. But overall, Mike White was real accurate. Um, he was good in the short passing game. It was just like I mean, it was from start to finish. He was carving them up. Um, it was very screen heavy, um, very running back heavy in the passing game. So I do think that teams are going to game plan around this and make changes and make him beat them deep. But, uh, Mike White seemed to run the offense better than Zach Wilson, who makes more out of structure plays. I think they were finally able to kind of run their offense and structure with, with Mike White. So um, he, you know, he, from start to finish, he, he looked really good. I was impressed. I, I don't know that he has a long-term future in this league, but for now he looks like a pretty good quarterback. Uh, but really the biggest beneficiary was Michael Carter. Like we mentioned up top, um, 15 carries for 77 yards and a touchdown, nine catches for 95 yards on 14 targets. Um, he was getting yards on draws, screens, tosses, um, they'd spread him out wide and he'd break in for a nice catch. Everything they gave him, he looked good. He fought for yards and then even Ty Johnson, like in the passing game, he had five catches for 71 yards, backing him up and a really nice touchdown. So the story of this game for me was the Bengals inability to stop the running backs in the passing game. And and the Jets just kept spamming it over and over. Um, otherwise, the receivers for the Jets, like they looked pretty interchangeable here, I thought. Um, they 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 performed well they made the plays they needed to but i couldn't really tell the difference most of the time if it was jameson Crowder or elijah mitchell it was just short stuff uh possession type stuff in the middle of the field um Crowder had really solid production um he believed he had yeah eight catches for eighty five eighty four four yards uh he did fumble uh, a key play he had a fumble um elijah mitchell i think played the third fewest or the third most snaps among receivers on the jets um he had a decent game six for sixty seven but again, the Jets threw the ball 45 times today for 400 yards. I wouldn't expect that most weeks. So I don't see much for Elijah Moore here. And then Denzel Mims, he got some work and dropped the touchdown. So um, there was some good and some bad for Mims. But overall, um, you know, the Jets had George Fant carted to the locker room late. Um, keep an eye on that, their offensive tackle. But uh, this offense sure looked a lot better with Mike White. I don't know if I'd count on this every week, but um we might be able to start some of these players so outside of Michael Carter um you have any questions just on this passing game or Mike White or anything with the Jets offense here
1: yeah I guess my question would be um it so let's let's say with this offense shrinks back to a more normal level next week because going to the Colts I don't imagine the Colts are going to let this happen again um just because one you know we don't tend to see these co- quarterbacks pop out of nowhere and just keep blowing up yep um once this offense shrinks back to a more normal level, who do you think is most likely to to stick out from it still? Like who's going to hold up their stats the best next week?
0: Yeah, I mean, I do think it's probably Michael Carter. I, I just, I see the running backs being a huge part of this passing game with Mike White at quarterback. And so I think that's really good for him. Um, and actually I have the Jets receiver snap counts here is actually Denzel Mims had the most, then Keelan Cole, then Jamison Crowder, and then Elijah Moore, pretty distant fourth with 30 snaps. So I I think it's the running backs, um, Jamison Crowder. And I I think those are probably the ones we can count on the most here. Um, They also did have Corey Davis out though, um, who did not play with an injury. So him coming back, throws a monkey wrench into this. So I I think the receivers are going to be tough to predict, but I do think the running backs are going to be involved a lot with, with uh, Mike White involved here.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. There's there's a, there's a ton of names there. Like looking at this list, it's, it's just surprising how many names there are that, I imagine some people like, like, James, I could see people really backing Jameson Crowder, Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, uh, Corey Davis, and even Keelan Cole, like saying, having some reason to say that that's going to be the guy, he's going to be the one who stands out. Yeah.
0: And I mean, it was an encouraging game for Elijah Moore, but again, he, there weren't like spectacular plays from him and he was closer to Braxton Barrios snap levels than he was the rest of the receivers. So he still has some work to do to get involved more, but good game for all of them. So, um, Yeah, overall Jets offense looked really good. I I do think the Bengals had a pretty poor game plan though. Um it's just it was just very vanilla and he just really didn't have to make any plays over the top. So uh for the Bengals offense, honestly, I think a lot of this was just that the Jets held the ball for 36 minutes and the Bengals had it for just twenty-four. The offense looked fine. Um, you know, there were some missed connections. Like Jamar Chase did drop a touchdown early. Um, he definitely should have had it. He still scored a touchdown and he had another end zone target. So He's a touchdown machine. He could have easily had two. Um, but they just the, the offense didn't have the ball enough. So you're gonna look at the box score and be a little disappointed. Uh Jamar Chase, three catches, 32 yards, and a touchdown, but he still had nine targets. I led the team. They just they just didn't have the ball enough. So don't worry about Jamar Chase here. Um, don't worry about T Higgins. I mean, he had six targets, four for 97 um he's he's their contested catch guy now he's the type they throw it up to down the sideline uh he made some really nice catches couple of really close calls on touchdowns so higgins easily could add a touchdown and uh tyler boyd had his best game in a while five catches for 69 yards and a touchdown on eight targets um a lot of it was late as the Bengals finally got into a rhythm here and he almost had another touchdown where he wasn't on the same page as burrow so Boyd seems to do well in these games. He he was good against the Jaguars when they had that come from behind in the second half. And he seems to be good in those types of games where they're playing from behind. But I don't know if I would quite trust it yet on Boyd. If you wanted to try to sell high, if anyone buys into this, I, I think it'd probably be the time here. So, otherwise, in the passing game, I mean, you know, Joe Burrow's only interception was on a tipped screen pass late in the game that really killed him. Uh, but that wasn't really his fault. Um, I, I think the offensive line got bullied around by the Jets defensive line a bit. So he got sacked three times, which is pretty typical, but Burrow looked good. It wasn't really Burrow's fault here. Um, So, yeah, before we get to the running game, any any questions on this passing game?
1: No, I think I agree. Uh, Tyler Boyd just doesn't seem like he's the third banana, as we've said. I like Higgins more. I like Chase more. I I might even like Mixon more, just purely his pass catching numbers. Um, It's just not enough room for me to want Boyd. So I, I completely agree. If you could sell him and get something of value or package him with somebody else, I would totally go for it.
0: Yeah, and if you started CJ Uzoma as a streamer, I mean, he got caught all four of his targets for 33 yards, not the worst in the world, but he kind of had back-to-back catches late in the fourth quarter. That You know, that was half of his production. So he's, he's mainly touchdown dependent, I would say. Um, but overall, just, yeah, I kind of thought the Bengals – Offensive line and defensive line got kind of beat up by the Jets in this game. That was a big part of this uh, result here. So, um, as far as the running game goes, Joe Mixon looked really good. If you look at his stat line, 14 for 33 and a touchdown doesn't look all that great, but he started to get it going late a little bit on the ground. And the passing game was encouraging too. I mean, he had uh, four catches, 58 yards, and a touchdown on five targets. One of his catches was off a trick play on a uh, Tyler Boyd threw it to him on a screen. It was pretty impressive, but still. Um, Mixon was heavily featured near the goal line. He could have had, I mean, he had two touchdowns, he could have had a, another couple more. They were throwing on the ball near the goal line, so this was encouraging for Joe Mixon. You got your two touchdowns, he finished near the top of the rankings. And I know the rushing yardage doesn't look great, but he played 42 snaps. Samaj P. Ryan played 14, so Mixon's in great shape here. So, um, otherwise, you know. The Bengals had some b- bad breaks to lose this one. Um, they The tipped interception late on a screen when it looked like they were going to kind of take control. And then there was a really horrible, unnecessary roughness call that uh, prevented the Bengals from ever getting the ball back at the end. The Jets would have been punting with about two minutes left, I think. It was a really terrible call. Um, the Bengals still deserved to lose this game, but uh, that certainly did not help. So I hope they can turn, turn around soon. I, I think it was just one of those games, but... Um, I don't know. Any final questions on either of these teams before we get out of this one?
1: No, I think that makes sense. As you said, it's nice to see Mixon salvage his day with a couple touchdowns uh, when this offense is playing well. I think he's pretty bulletproof where, like, you, it's hard to see a bad day from Mixon.
0: Yep. And especially, again, if they're going to throw him the ball, that's just a uh, cherry on top. So. All right, let's get to Mike's next game here. Um, watch the Buccaneers play the Saints. Um, I didn't watch much of this one while I watched a much more boring game that we'll get to later. So, uh, what I miss on this game here, Mike?
1: Yeah, so the Tampa Bay offense struggled a little bit early. Uh, two Brady turnovers in the first half, a punt or a fumble and an interception. Two punts for the offense. Um, they they got that early deficit, sixteen to seven. They kept it close. Um, They came back late. They had the lead in the fourth quarter, and they put up this stat of Tom Brady having more 16-point deficit comebacks than anybody in the history of the world in sports. Uh, And then Tom Brady blew it at the end, and he had the chance to go on the game-winning drive, threw a pick, was returned for a touchdown, and so it balloons the final score a little bit. Um, Truth is, this one came right down to the last minute. The Saints kicked a field goal with about a minute and a half left after really botching their two-minute drill. And it seemed like I think everybody in the world thought, oh, they blew it. Tampa Bay's going to win this one easily. And surprisingly, Brady threw a pick on the next play, and that was the end of the game. Um, as far as Tampa Bay goes, Antonio Brown was out. Rob Gronkowski looks like he was very limited. I Once I saw him playing, I didn't expect really any stats from him, and he didn't finish the game. So part of me wonders if they just wanted to like try to get him out there, but then they just realized, all right, he's not really ready. Let's, let's keep him healthy. Let's keep him safe for later in the season. Um, Brady threw to the usual targets. There was a lot to Godwin, a few balls to Evans, a lot to the running backs and the tight ends. Nobody from all that mess who really stood out um, except for Godwin. Godwin killed it today. He was just seeing tons of targets. Uh, Mike Evans saved his day with a 41 yard touchdown disappointing for him because the offense was clicking and it's just one of those kind of Evans disappearing acts where he just doesn't put up the points and the targets just don't go his way. Um, that field's a mess that I think we, I think we've known that Leonard Fournette's had the best chance to really have it, but he didn't do anything to help himself today. He caught a ball or almost caught a ball close to the end zone. And then he dropped it. And luckily for him, they called it not a catch, but otherwise it would have been a costly fumble. Um, And that's about it. Brady is still a guy we want to start every week. Godwin and Evans, we want to start. This team's heading into a bye, so Gronk will have some time to get healthy. And the targets will probably be a little bit of a mess with Antonio Brown coming back.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, with Antonio Brown out, uh, Mike Evans saw a lot of uh, Marshawn Lattimore here. He's given him trouble in the past. So, yeah, Godwin, 8 for 140 and a touchdown on 12 targets. That's a huge game. Um, And as far as the backfield, I mean, Fournette still did dominate the snaps, 37 snaps. Gio Bernard, 13, and Ronald Jones, 9. So um it sounds like the backfield was more of a mess in just the sense that they didn't produce against a tough New Orleans run defense, right? I mean, it's still pretty clearly Fournette's job here.
1: Yeah, Fournette still had the most. It just, there was just nothing happening. Yeah, that's a good way to put it.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I think Buck, the Bucks are pretty straightforward at this point. Um, The Saints seem to have their number. So I think this is just one of those tough uh, <laughs> divisional teams that know, knows how to play an opponent, so... Um, what do you think about the state's offense uh, with Jameis Wilson, Winston, at quarterback and kind of their prospects going forward without him?
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, obviously I like him more with Jameis Winston. Um, yeah. We've seen a lot more from him. Um, there wasn't just, there just wasn't much going on in this offense. There was an interesting fact. Kevin white, uh former bears, high wide receiver draft pick caught a ball for 38 yards. I wasn't sure he was still in the league. And once I saw that, I was like, Oh, he is. And he's on a team. Good for him. <laughs> um, Traquan Smith led the way stat wise for the receivers, three, three receptions, 33 yards and a touchdown. And if that's what led the way, you know, it was a pretty, a pretty slow day. Um, yeah, there's, there's not anybody I'm going to say really stood out. So guys who were catching passes, Kevin White, Deontay Harris, Traquan Smith, Garrett Griffin, Marquez Callaway. And yeah, yeah, the list goes on. Alex Arma, Jawan Johnson. Um, not not a whole lot I'm going to say I really want to go and grab. Uh, Alvin Kamara was fine. He was himself. He he scores a touchdown, so his day looks good. Um, without the touchdown, things look a little worrisome. Three catches for 15 yards, 19 carries for 61 yards. But it's a tough matchup. We know running against the Bucs is tough. Nobody likes to run against the Bucs. And to get 61 yards and a touchdown, I, I'm actually pretty happy with that.
0: Yeah. So I think I agree. This passing game is a mess. I mean, Kevin White was the leading receiver on one target for 38 yards. So, um, for the backfield, I was surprised. I mean, Mark Ingram came in and played, uh, Alvin Kamara played 51 snaps, but Ingram played 22 and had some, you know, decent plays. Um, I, I mean, I think it's more annoying than anything that he's eating into Kamara's work, but is there anything interesting with Mark Ingram, how he was used in this offense, or is it just kind of Kamara's backup now?
1: Yeah. I think it's going to be Camara's backup. Typically it, it it's a, t- it's a tough matchup. I think if it's an easier matchup, we'll see Camara breaks and plays and he'll be just fine.
0: Yeah. So six carries for 27 yards. Um, he knows the offense. So it did not take him long to get involved, two catches for 25. So um, yeah, it's going to be a mess with Simeon. I would imagine. I mean, this team's kind of been playing just defense anyway, even with Jameis Winston, they're just kind of controlling the ball and playing defense. So maybe it doesn't change too much. I don't know, but it's, yeah, it's, impossible to get excited about any of these receivers until Michael Thomas gets back and that'll be the true test. So um, any final thoughts on this one? Uh, New Orleans won 36 to 27 at home against the Bucs.
1: No, I'm just, just impressed by new Orleans. I mean, that's, that's a huge win. They, they have the division lead now, you know, if they got the tiebreaker with Tampa Bay, but fantasy wise, no, not really anything I learned here.
0: All right. That takes me to the Washington football team traveling to Denver Um, This was one of those games that the announcers keep trying to tell you how great of a game it was. (laughs) Um, Mark Schlereth was really trying to sell us on how great of a game this was, and uh, I disagreed a bit here. So um, it was a pretty boring game. Denver won 17 to 10. These are two really limited offenses here. Uh, Just I think the offensive line play isn't great and the quarterback play isn't great, and it's just really snowballing. So um, for Washington, they, they looked at J.D. McKissick quite a bit. Uh, On first downs, like the first option in the passing route, it seemed like um, they really got the ball to McKissick. He led the way with eight catches for 83 yards on eight targets. So he was super efficient with them. A lot of them are right at the line of scrimmage, not exactly a big playmaker, but they're giving him a ball a lot. and He's producing. So PPR wise, McKissick looked pretty good. There's just no downfield passing game to speak of for Washington. Um, Early on, they threw short of the sticks on fourth and one to Ricky Seals Jones, which is hard to do on a one yard. You know, conversion, but um I, I think the big story here is uh, it's officially time to worry about Antonio Gibson. Um he's been playing through a I think a stress fracture in his shin, but um Jarrett Patterson was in on the very first drive of the game, rotating in. Um Jarrett Patterson played 16 snaps, Antonio Gibson played 23, and McKissick played 32. And this wasn't like Gibson left at some point and just, you know, kind of missed a couple drives. This was just consistent throughout. So it turned into a three man backfield here. Um, Gibson was seeing some passing game work on early downs. Um, You know, he's not out there on third downs, but they were getting the ball on early downs, uh, three catches on three targets for 20 yards. And he does still look pretty good on the uh, running the ball. He doesn't look hurt necessarily, but the usage just isn't there. Um, This is a bad offense so I, there's the, the touchdown upside isn't great so it's getting pretty worrisome here for Antonio Gibson we talked about that up in the losers section so um you know I think we went over most of that but uh the offensive line is becoming a problem for Washington the injuries are adding up and and Taylor Heineke just doesn't look good he was sacked five times and is just kind of oblivious to the pass rush sometimes he lost 40 yards on those five sacks um his two interceptions aren't as bad as they look uh he, they're kind of The first one was definitely a Hail Mary at the end of the first half. The second one was a Hail Mary sort of play on like a fourth down. Uh, But he he doesn't look good. He can't get the ball downfield. They didn't really even try to get the ball downfield to Terry McLaurin. They tried to get him the ball on like screens and slants and end arounds, but there's just nothing downfield. It's all short stuff. So I don't know. Not really much you're looking to start here. Ricky Seals-Jones, only two catches for 12 yards, um, filling in for – the injured Logan Thomas, this was probably his first real bad week, but I, I think he could still stream him. He was involved, but otherwise not much to see here. Um, McLaurin, a lot better days, but three for 23 uh, it's, I think that's always in his range of outcomes here. So um, any questions on this mediocre, if mediocre Washington offense.
1: <laughs> no, I'll say uh, just to put another thorn in the side of Gibson owners. Uh, he's out. He's been out targeted by McKissick for six straight games so it, i mean they can people can say what they want on injury but ultimately they're choosing to pass to mckissick and they're not choosing to pass to gibson and you would think that if you wanted to limit the workload that passing would be the way to go because you take less hits you kind of prepare more you put them in choice situations and yeah. it, i i think it's the more i think about it the more i'm, I'm i want to say like i i we might have been wrong on gibson maybe he has the talent he just can't put it together maybe it's the injury but it's feeling like the window is closing for him to really be the guy we thought he could.
0: Yeah. And I mean, he looked good on the ground, eight carries for 34, that's 4.3 yards per attempt. Um, But Jared Patterson, 11 for 46, 4.2 yards per attempt did just about the same production. Patterson didn't look Special. He just looked like a between the tackles runner Did did what he needed to, but nothing that jumped off the page. So, yeah, I just I don't know. It's it's mostly, uh you know, the quarterback here, Taylor, Taylor Heineke. So maybe when Ryan Fitzpatrick comes back, if he does, that gives him a boost. But I'm not sure how good the play calling is. There's just not a lot of um, you know, they've got injured weapons with Curtis Samuel Hurt, um, Diami Brown. It's just it's kind of a bare cabinet here, other than a couple players on offense. So I, I think this offense was gonna be a mess all year. Uh and then on the Broncos side of things, it wasn't much better. Uh Teddy Bridgewater was sacked four times, made almost no plays, uh, you know, you know, the plays that any backup quarterback couldn't make. Um, you know, I think about halftime, uh, this was a ten to three game. I was like, I don't know why they're sticking with Bridgewater. Like they have no ceiling playing this way. It seems like you should go to uh, Drew Locke at this point and just try to get some kind of spark. But they stuck with it and they got the run. I, I think that got the win. That's all they're trying to do right now is win some games. So they're four and four. I think Bridgewater is going to be out there for a while, but nothing very exciting here. Um, and, and then in the passing game, Albert O, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his last name, but he's a, he's a young, talented tight end. He's back from IR now and he's eating into Noah Fant's work. I uh, Albert O saw three targets, Noah Fant saw four. So I, I think you could probably downgrade Noah Fant a little bit after that. Um, and then in the receiving court, Jerry Judy was back. He played snaps behind Sutton and Tim Patrick, but still played plenty of snaps. He looked healthy. Um, it's just this offense. It's, it's not good. So Jerry Judy gets four catches for 39 yards on four targets. Um, he had a pretty big catch down the stretch that they needed. He looked good. But now that we're splitting up the work between two tight ends, uh, three receivers two running backs this offense is just so low volume i don't know i i think this could be problems for all of judy sutton and patrick um none of them topped uh you know patrick leads the way with 64 yards. sutton with 40 judy with 39 it, it might be an issue now with all three of them on the field so um am i a little too negative on this offense would you be excited about judy or sutton going forward or just is the ceiling too low
1: yeah, I think given they're playing the Washington pass rush, and we know how that pass rush can look. Um, this is probably on the lower side, but th- as you said, I'm not excited by Teddy Bridgewater, and th- there's probably too many weapons to really get excited for a team that's not that not very good. Um,
0: yep, and then yeah. Garrett Bowles left late with an injury when their offensive line, and that doesn't help a whole lot. So. Yeah, it's just they're going to be splitting up the work a lot right now. I I would expect that going forward. And the same thing goes with the running backs. I mean, Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, they both had really good plays. They both had some bad plays. They both fumbled while they were trying to run out the clock. Uh, I don't think anything changed this week, though. They Like kind of one step forward, one step back for each of them. Uh, Melvin Gordon gets the touchdown on a nice passing route out of the backfield. Um, Actually, and he rushed for one, too. So him getting the touchdowns gives him a really nice day. But uh, him and Javante Williams put up the work and I'm not sure anything really changed here. So anyone who's waiting for Javante Williams to break out, he he has a really nice run every week. He broke some tackles up the middle this game looked really good, but uh, nothing's changed. I, I'm not sure anything's going to change here soon. So um, at 50, 50 split with these running backs, are you very excited about starting either of them?
1: <laughs> no, I'm not. And also since you defended Antonio Gibson with a 4.3 yards per carry, I have to say Melvin Gordon had 4.7 yards per carry. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's he's not going anywhere. He's he's looked pretty good. So not much changing here. I, I think that pretty much wraps up this game, though. I would hope Jerry Judy takes over, but I think there's enough mouths to feed that I'm not sure if he's gonna get up to the hype we had for him preseason. So um, all right. Well, we are going to bring on Ryan Heath and talk about a couple of the games he watched this week. So thanks for joining us, Mike.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot. Have a great weekend.
0: All right, now I'm joined by Ryan Heath to talk about. Up front, the Eagles and Lions. Uh, Ryan, thank you for covering this exciting 44-6 win from the Eagles here. What did you see in this one from a fantasy perspective?
2: Yeah, I don't know if I'd call this one exciting. Probably the least exciting 44-6 game you could ever see. I mean, really all that happened here for fantasy is, number one, Jalen Hurts only had 14 attempts on the day, (laughs) which for a 44-point game, you might be a little surprised by that. But then you see that both Boston Scott and Jordan Howard scored two touchdowns each uh, from within the red zone on all four of them, I believe. So that didn't work out great for us Kenny Gainwell people.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I went through the snaps earlier on, but uh, Boston Scott 29, Gainwell 20, Jordan Howard 16. And I believe that Gainwell got all the snaps with the backups, only played six snaps before that. so. Um, Sounds like it was just as bad as the stat line looked for Gainwell, huh?
2: Yeah, he was just not involved at all. He didn't have a single target in the passing game. He just doesn't seem like he's a part of this offense all of a sudden, which is really strange considering he has been a part of this offense up until now. So Mm -hmm. I'm interested to hear if anything comes out in what Nick Sirianni says to the media uh, based on the running back usage this week. But It's really, really strange that Scott and Howard haven't mixed in at all to this point. And as soon as Sanders is out, then it seems like Gainwell is a third stringer.
0: Yeah, it, it's very strange. And I mean, he had that passing game roll the whole year, Gainwell did, and he had it last week after Miles Sanders got hurt and then it disappears. So I mean, it's not like I mean, this was seventeen to nothing at the half, so it's not like it was twenty eight to nothing at the half, you know? I mean, it was a relatively close game. So I don't think it's just completely like, you know, they wanted to pound the ball with the other running backs in a blowout. Like it, it was a blowout in after the third quarter, but uh this was relatively competitive in the first half, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The game wasn't totally out of reach for the Lions. In fact, I was getting ready for garbage time, Jared Goff and DeAndre (laughs) Swift, but it just never materialized because it got out of hand so quickly.
0: Yep. So, I mean, do you think it's worth rostering? I mean, do we have to say it? Is it worth rostering Jordan Howard at this point?
2: Oh, man. (laughs) I don't want to, but i think that if you're looking for running back depth, then I, w- I will say I would prioritize Boston Scott because they did receive about equal work, but Howard tended to come in on the goal line. That's not going to happen every game. You can almost think of Jordan Howard is playing like a James Connor type of role, whereas Scott was being used a little more all over the field. So he's who I would prioritize, but I for all we know next week, it could be the Kenny Gainwell show with nobody starting him.
0: Okay. And yeah, Mike and I talked about that up top. So it sounds like you would probably stash Gainwell if you had a running back needing roster and hope this turns around.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. Probably get Scott on your roster. And if you have Gainwell, you should stash him at least for another week or two while Sanders is out.
0: All right. And otherwise in the passing game, like you said, only 14 attempts from Hertz. I uh, he still managed to run seven times for 71 yards, but uh, for the passing game, it was all Dallas Goddard here. It looks like.
2: Yeah, not a whole lot to talk about outside of Goddard. I mean, Goddard saw seven targets, six receptions, seventy-two yards. It's nice that he's finally free of Zach Ertz. It seems like he can be a fairly consistent contributor. I mean, he out-targeted Devontae Smith and all the other receivers in this passing game. So he really seems to be the alpha here in Philadelphia now going forward.
0: Yep. Yeah, and we I mean we talked about Devontae Smith up top and some of the duds from the week. So, but it just there's just no volume. So it's kind of it's easy to give him a pass here I think right yeah I wouldn't be too
2: worried about Devonte Smith just from this week I mean we we've seen him rack up target shares and air yards before and this was a very strange game script for the Eagles that they're probably not going to see a whole lot the rest of the year so I wouldn't be worried about Smith long term
0: all right and on the line side of the ball I I feel like for Jared Goff I was I was not drafting him. I was a relative defender coming into the year. I thought he was at least like a somewhat functional NFL quarterback, but it seems to be getting worse and worse every week here. I mean, this was a disastrous performance. 34 attempts, 222 yards, five sacks. I mean, I guess he didn't turn the ball over unless he fumbled one or something. Yeah, he looks like he, no, he didn't lose a fumble. So no turnovers, but just nothing here offensively. And it seems to be getting worse. Like, are we heading towards benching Jared Goff? I mean, what do you see here from Goff?
2: I mean, golf just doesn't bring a whole lot to the table. Like, it's just so many three and outs, three and outs, three and outs. And that, that has kind of been the story of the Lions offense all year until for the fourth quarter when DeAndre Swift usually gets some garbage time magic going. But it just didn't happen this week because by the fourth quarter, the Lions were pretty much buried and Swift wasn't really in the game anymore. Jamar Jefferson scored a touchdown. So... I don't. I don't really know that this is going to be typical for the Lions. I don't think they're this bad to where they're going to be losing forty-four to six every week. But it apparently is within the range of outcomes when you're playing guys like DeAndre Swift. So maybe yeah. something to keep in mind going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, at least got five catches, so PPR wasn't an outright disaster. But um, when Jamal Williams was scratched uh, before this game. I think he made it into everyone's uh, DFS lineup. So uh, that crushed a bunch of people. Um, so what about this passing game? I mean, I see that TJ Hawkinson got all the work. Uh, was that in garbage time at all? Or was he consistently involved?
2: Uh, he was involved pretty consistently. I mean, just like on the other side of the ball, TJ Hawkinson is the alpha in this passing game. He's the one that you can rely on week to week. Other than him, guys like Amon Ross, St. Brown, Khalif Raymond that we've seen have success in limited samples week to week, but I don't think they're ever going to turn into consistent guys that you want in your lineup.
0: Yeah. Khalif Raymond had a decent little stretch going and he still led all receivers and snaps for the lions and, uh, gave you a big goose egg. So it's hard to trust any of those receivers. Um, well, we got a much more interesting game next up from you. Any last thoughts on this Eagles Lions game? Just, you know, anything you noticed watching this one?
2: Not really. Just, as I said, it's really all about TJ Hawkinson and Dallas Goddard And the other options on these offenses aren't necessarily going to deliver every single week. DeAndre Swift needs his garbage time and he (laughs) didn't get the chance this week. It was really sad. So,
0: yes, we were all sad about that one. All right, let's get to the game that you really want to talk about here. Uh, Your New England Patriots on the road. I don't know if it was actually considered a road game because of all the Pats fans, but uh, the Patriots beat the Chargers 27 to 24. Uh, Where do you want to start on this one? Yeah, we can start with the Patriots. I would say that the crowd was split about 50-50
2: on this one, by the way. So I both teams had to deal with some noise while they were on offense, which is always interesting to see how that plays out. But, yeah. I mean, Mac Jones did what he needed to in this game. He's never going to be a particularly exciting fantasy producer. He didn't even have a passing touchdown in this. But 35 attempts, 18 completions, 218 yards, didn't turn the ball over. I mean, he is doing what he needs to do as a real-life quarterback, but I don't think he's going to turn into a high-end fantasy producer this year.
0: Okay. Yeah, and the, I mean, the Chargers have a better pass defense than run defense. So, yeah, pretty limited game here for Mac Jones, especially with no touchdowns. I I would think probably in some more matchups like, you know, Tampa Bay earlier in the year, some, some kind of pass funnel defenses, maybe we could get some nice volume out of him. But, yeah, I, I think he's more of like a 2QB quarterback at this point.
2: Yeah, the game the uh the, the game script was very clearly designed for the Patriots to just run the ball as much as they possibly could, and they were happy to. So that's what happened. And Mac didn't get the touchdowns, had a few chances. There were a few weird calls and little miscues on the goal line where he very easily could have had touchdowns to Hunter Henry and to Jacoby Myers, but they didn't end up working out, so he didn't deliver in the fantasy box score. Um, Moving on to the running backs, Uh, it was the Damian Harris show once again. 23 attempts, 80 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson overtook Brandon Bolden for the change of pace and satellite role. We said this on the Sit Start podcast that it's just going to be somebody different every week, apparently. And it was randomly Ramondre Stevenson this week after it's been Brandon Bolden for the last couple weeks. So, Going forward, I don't have a take. I don't know who it's going to be. If anybody tells you that they know for sure, you should be very suspicious of them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think I saw something pregame that essentially said Ramondre Stevenson and J.J. Taylor are going to like battle in practice every week and whoever does the best is going to be the active player. So that seems to be where we're at at the the third running back. So it's Damian Harris and then uh, kind of a battle for everything else. So um, so, I mean, this is a really bad Chargers run defense, only 23 for 80 and a touchdown for Damian Harris. Do you take this as an encouraging game for Harris or kind of discouraging considering the matchup?
2: I would say it's a fine game for Harris. I mean, he got done what he needed to. He gets the goal line work, and the Patriots love running in the red zone. So that's really where a lot of his fantasy value comes from anyways. So as long as that keeps up, I wouldn't be particularly worried about him. I think he's still an RB2 every single week.
0: Okay. And if anyone's looking at the 27 points and wondering where all the scores came from, because there's only one rushing touchdown and no passing touchdowns, it looks like we had four field goals and a pick six. So yeah, that's where all the points came from. (laughs) Um, So yeah, otherwise that the pass catching group, um, anything to see here? Is it just like the same old, same old Patriots pass catchers? Yeah, it's kind of same old,
2: same old. I mean, Jacoby Myers leads the way in targets as he usually does. Nine targets, four catches, 37 yards. Kind of a weird game for Jacoby Myers. There were a few spots where it seemed like he just had some miscommunication issues with Mac, uh, times where passes were just going off his hands, or it seemed like he like, broke the wrong way. So... Hopefully they iron those issues out because we've seen them have a really good connection at times this season, but it just hasn't been there every single game. Nelson Aguilar did what he usually does, uh, six targets, three receptions for 60 yards. And what he usually does is he gets open deep a few times every game. And that's really all you can expect from him. He's not ever going to be much more than that, I don't think. Um, And then moving on to Kendrick Bourne, had seven targets in this one, four receptions, 38 yards. Bourne is a player that seems like he gets open a lot, but as soon as the ball goes to him, he's just not doing what he should be. He definitely has the worst hands on the team, which is saying something when Nelson Aguilar is also on the team. Um, And he just doesn't seem like he's fully in sync with this offense. It's just frustrating watching him. So. I don't think he's ever going to be a producer either. Not sure why I'm even really talking about him. Just wanted to take out my frustrations.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then as far as tight ends go, I mean, it was a split uh, share, 50 snaps for Henry, 49 for Johnny Smith. Uh, Henry has a disappointing game, just one catch on one target or three targets for 33 yards. But it looks like if you look at the underlying usage, it wasn't that bad for Henry. I mean, his 50 snaps were like, you know, behind only two receivers and snaps His 26 route run were behind just Myers and Aguilar so he's still running a lot of routes I guess he just didn't get the usage today yeah he also got
2: uh, held on a couple key plays that at least one of them probably would have gone for a touchdown so he could have had a way bigger day than he did we just didn't end up getting the Hunter Henry revenge game that we wanted unfortunately but going forward he's still a low and tight end one especially in matchups where there's going to be more passing volume
0: yeah, because, I mean, it just if you look at the usage on the team, he's, he's basically their wide receiver three. And Johnny Smith, just 15 routes around. That's more like, you know, Brandon Bolden or Damian Harris. So still Hunter Henry's tight end group here, I would say. So anything else on the Patriots? Um, How their offensive line looking pretty good?
2: Yeah, the offensive line looks good. The run blocking has been good all year. The pass blocking has been spotty at times, but Mac had plenty of time uh, this week. So it's the offensive line, I would say, is a strength of the team.
0: All right, man. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this Chargers offense. It's one that I feel like I'm still trying to figure out from week to week. So what do you see going up against the Patriots defense you're pretty familiar with?
2: Yeah, so starting out with the defensive game plan, the Patriots like to do this thing where they will just choose an opposing receiver to try to erase from the game. And this week it was Mike Williams. Uh, They love doing this to like these outside clasher X receivers, especially. So even going into this, I was feeling like it was going to be more of a Keenan Allen game than a Mike Williams game. And that was exactly what happened. I mean, uh, JC Jackson did a great job in coverage, but Williams only ended up with five targets, two receptions, 19 yards. So Keenan Allen did pick up the slack a little bit, 11 targets, six receptions for 77. He found it a little easier to get open over the middle, but overall the Patriots did a really good job of reigning in this Chargers offense, I would say. And Justin Herbert uh, threw two interceptions. One of them was his fault. The pick six was a misread, I believe on his part. Uh, the other one was off of Austin Eckler's hands. There's not much you can do about that if you're Herbert, but, He didn't play the best. There was a lot of pressure generated. Uh, The Patriots had three sacks. Matt Judon is a really good pass rusher. That's something that New England hasn't really had in recent years. So that's been fun to watch as a Pats fan. So really just a tough game environment for Herbert. I would think he will probably get right going forward because this offense is loaded with weapons. Herbert's really talented. So just kind of ran into a Patriots buzzsaw this week, I'd say. Okay.
0: And we were trying to make sense of Mike Williams earlier. I mean, I think some of his down games have been explainable. The Pats game today, targeting him to take him out. Um last week against the Ravens, he was banged up. That's a tough defense. Like, do you think we're getting back to, you know, nine catch, 122 yard, two touchdown Mike Williams that he did kind of consistently early on of the season? I mean, was that always too much to ask for? Or I, I, Where do you think his ceiling is going forward?
2: I mean, I think that the consistent two touchdown games are probably a thing of the past. They will definitely pop up at times because this offense is very explosive and he's been the beneficiary of it a lot. But even before this week, I was... Kind of pushing back against the idea that Mike Williams has just risen to the level of Keenan Allen as a receiver. I mean, going into this week, Mike Williams had six touchdowns, I believe, on eight red zone targets. And Keenan Allen had just one touchdown on 10 red zone targets. So there's a lot of perception kind of being warped by the amount of touchdowns these receivers have scored so far this year. And it kind of has made people think that. Williams is more of an alpha than he really is I think
0: okay I think that's fair Uh, I do think that Keenan Allen maybe you know 11 targets today but six for 77 and a touchdown obviously that's a good game but I'm not sure he has quite the ceiling, maybe, of the monster games that Mike Williams does. He's just going to be more, more steady producer. But who knows? Maybe one of these weeks he'll have a couple touchdowns and top 100 yards and put it all together. So obviously still excited to have Allen and even Mike Williams, I'd say. But it looks like this offense has a few more bumps in the road than we thought when they were just lighting up teams early on. So um, other than that, any secondary receivers you want to talk about or you just want to get to the running backs? Uh, I'll just say that Josh Palmer had a really nice touchdown catch. He
2: looked great on it. It was very impressive. So he's one to watch. I mean, the Chargers number three receiver slot has been kind of a competition all year. We really thought that Palmer was gonna step in like early on, but he really hasn't. Guys like Jalen Guyton have been running most of those routes and it hasn't translated into a lot of production, but it seems like it could if the right player is there to Take advantage of the opportunity. So Palmer might be one to watch going forward.
0: Yeah, it would be nice to see a third option. Well, I guess a fourth after Austin Eckler, but it would be nice to see another option in the receiving core emerge. So other than that, I mean, I guess we're just not going to worry about Austin Eckler uh, injury status going into these games anymore, right? He looked he looked pretty good at least from the box score on this one.
2: Yeah, I mean, if he's tweeting out photos of his lineup with himself (laughs) in it before the game, I don't think we need to be worried about his injury status going forward. Yeah. He, he looked great, did normal Austin Eckler things, 10 targets. I mean, looked explosive, had a touchdown on the ground. It's stuff we've come to expect from him. So not much else to say on that. Uh, in the race for the scraps of touches behind him, uh, Justin Jackson had three carries for 79. 70 of that came on one play. Uh, It was a really nice run. He bounced it outside and then went back inside, showed really good vision on that play, but didn't really get involved outside of that. And then Larry Roundtree, uh, four carries, 11 yards. I don't think Larry Roundtree is very good. I think Justin Jackson is the RB2 on this team, but the Chargers coaching staff has disagreed with me at various points in the last Mm -hmm. couple of years on that take. So we hopefully don't ever have to find out this year.
0: Yeah. And I, I think Jackson left it with a quad injury at some point. I'm not sure if he came back or not. There's not much news on that one. So yeah, it, they seem to be shuffling these backups. So probably nothing there. So, all right. Well, um, uh, any last ones before we get out of here? Um, anything in these games or just in general that you wanted to mention from this week of, uh, you know, Halloween weekend. <laughs>
2: No, I mean, I guess I'll just say Jared Cook didn't really come through for us. He was someone we were talking about streaming on sit start this week. Five targets, two catches for 25 yards. I, It's a tight end down game in an environment where the offense wasn't being very productive. So it didn't work out. It happens sometimes.
0: Yep. And I, and I guess his five targets were still tied for third on the team. So they were, they were thrown his way. So all right well i think that wraps it up for this week i've been a little under the weather i think my voice relatively made it through the whole podcast so only i uh, cracked a couple times so i'll take it so all right thanks for joining me ryan everyone thanks for listening make sure you check out the what we saw uh, article on the website um we'll go through all the games or anything we couldn't cover uh check it out we'll be on reddit our fantasy football answering questions so thanks again as always for listening and happy halloween again